Father, we just ask that you would move, uh, Lord, through the words that I speak, God, and that every word out of my mouth would be straight from your heart, Father. I just pray that you would um, use uh, this message, God, to really touch people's hearts, Father, make it clear um, and make it um, precise, Father, I pray, Lord, just move through us this morning, uh, move through your people, God, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, since, uh, since becoming a father... Um, I've found that I started suffering from a serious medical condition. Uh, it affects uh, millions, if not billions, of men uh, all around the world. It is quite severe. I can't imagine many men in this room um, don't suffer from it, because you probably all do. Um, it's known as temporal masculine blindness. Um, and it's, it's layman's term, or also known as having a man look. Yeah. Uh, this is a condition that, although many wives and mothers throughout history have tried through various forms of verbal and physical abuse, it appears that temporal masculine blindness cannot be beaten or yelled out of a man. And at this stage, there is no known cure. Some of these symptoms include, but are not limited to, walking into a room, having a quick glance around and realizing that what you're looking for can't possibly be there. Going to the last place you saw something and upon not seeing it, immediately know that it's not there. Uh, causing intense anger, rage, and occasionally physical outbursts of aggression. That last one's actually a symptom that manifests in females. Yep. Um, I joke, but having a man look, along with having the man flu and foot and mouth disease, are all things that from time to time us men will suffer through and is sure to cause much frustration in our better halves um, almost every time. The man look is probably the most frequent uh, and one of the most frustrating, and not just for the ladies. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I find it really annoying uh, when you spend a few minutes going, you know, you're looking through somewhere in the kitchen, whatever, you're trying to find this thing, and then the wife walks in and is like, it's right there, like it's, it's right in front of you, and you're like... <laughs> um, I'm not sure if there is an actual medical reason uh, why we don't see things the same as you ladies do, but it really does feel like our view is skewed differently. Um, at times, and you know, for all of us dealing with people, uh, dealing with people when their view is skewed differently can be frustrating. Uh, some of you will be glass half full people, some of you will be glass half empty people, uh, others of you will just be stoked that you've got a glass of water in the first place. Uh, but when different people with different views on different subjects come together, it can get intense real quick. I'll give you an example. Most of you will have experienced. Um, a time where in our lives where a friend has been, say, broken up with, you know, they're an emotional wreck. Um, and it does not matter what you say to that person, it does not matter how nice you are, how tough you are, how loving you are, they will keep being an emotional wreck because their view on life has changed drastically and suddenly. Now, as, a, as the person trying to comfort their friend, that can be frustrating and exhausting to feel like we keep, like we keep having to say that it's okay, we keep trying to lift them up. Why? Because as the person who isn't emotionally attached, it's easy for us to see our friend's future timeline. They will get better. It will get easier. They will find someone better, someone that God has for them. Um, but for the person going through it, their view in the situation is right where they are, right that second, with the feelings that they feel, with the heartache that they carry. And it doesn't matter how much you explain to them, their whole view of the situation is right here, right now, and that's it. To put it another way, the person who's hurt has a limited view. The person who's comforting them has a larger vision. 
They can see that it will all be okay, and we often think in life, if only I could be like the person who comforts even when times are hard for me. If only I could always have that kind of visionary, like everything's always going to be okay, look ahead in time. But it's wrong thinking to think like that. See, we need both. We need vision and we need a view. We need a long-term vision for the future and a short-term view of the emotional reality of right now. And that's why I've called this message the vision and the view, which should be up there. I made that slide. Looks good. Thank you. To put it into our Christian perspective, the vision is our faith journey, or to be more accurate, it's our faith in God that He has a plan for us. It's that verse that most of us know all too well in Jeremiah 29 11, that we know that God has a plan for us, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us. The view is our emotional journey. If we have a great faith but no emotional maturity, then we will have great plans with no day-to-day way of getting there and no, one, no way of allowing others to join us on that journey. On the other side, to be emotionally mature but to lack faith will mean that we have great relationships with people, but once something breaks down in our lives, we have nothing to look forward to. We need, to be both, we need both to live successful as Christian, in Christians as Christians because Jesus was successful in both, and he's our greatest example. Our view is what we see on a daily basis. It's the church full of empty seats. It's the sickness that's not getting any better. It's the financial situation that we can't seem to find our way out of. It's the way that we look at ourselves in the mirror, the anger we feel in the moment. It's the right here, right now, those things that we deal with on a day-to-day, the struggles and emotions and the things that trip us up. The view is important because it gives us daily perspective. Without the view, we miss the people around us and how they think and they feel. Our view keeps us grounded. Our vision is the step of faith we take to overcome all those things we view and to take action. The vision is important because it gives us hope. It helps us make good decisions in the small steps because we're being led towards a brighter future. It's easy to let the view of the day-to-day overtake us and forget that God gives us a vision for how to live, what to expect, how to overcome. I want to encourage everyone to remember the vision while we walk out the view. Don't let your view direct your vision. Let God's vision direct your view. Part of God's vision for your life is what God has for the church. And as a church, we have an awesome vision um, from God, but a big part of vision is that it's unique to every individual, and that's what's important to remember. We need to have a great faith for a great vision, and we need to have a view that is correct. Cool? Following me so far? Hope so. So, how do we achieve that? It's having a right perspective on both. We can walk out great vision while maintaining a right view. It's just being aware of what each one means. For most of us, we will have, will have heard messages, uh, you know, if you've been in church long enough, you'll hear a message about a great vision and the vision that God has for your life. But for me, at least, I've heard very few messages on how to keep a correct view, how to maintain and remain both spiritually excited and emotionally whole. So let's dive a little bit deeper into these. Having a right vision. We'll talk about vision first. As a church, we have an incredible vision, uh, incredible mission and vision from God. Uh, and you will take note that there are no banners sitting behind me this, this morning because uh, I'm testing you out. It's written on the banners that, if you're new, sorry, <laughs> there's usually banners sitting up here that have our mission statement on it. Um, it's cool, they'll be really week. Every week with a team um, who come down, who come in early to help us with setup, uh, there always seems to be a bit of confusion about which banner goes where. 
Um, last week they even put numbers on the back of them so that they could figure out how to put it up. It's usually the same, like two, three people every week put the banners up, but we always get confused. Uh, and it made me realize that we can have the vision set out before us. We can literally stare at it each week. And yet, if I, and yet now that I've taken those banners away, or if I turn them around on you, I wonder how many of us would actually be able to recite the words that are on those banners from memory. Does anyone actually know them? Does anyone want to have a go? Morris, I feel like you'd remember it. But I don't want to, I don't want to. Yep, do you remember the exact order? No, all right. Time's up. <laughs> See, it's hard. And I wonder how many of us, ah, sorry, exactly, you know, how many of us actually know the vision that God has for us as a church? We, we sort of know, but we don't know. The mandate he's given to us, and if you consider yourself part of this church, it's the mandate that he's given to all of us for the city and this nation. And it got me thinking that God gives us a vision as a church, but he also gives us a purpose and a vision for our lives. And how many of us then know what the purpose and the, and the vision is for our lives? I speak to people all the time who tell me that they don't know what God wants them to do with their life. They don't know what their purpose is. They've, they're lost. And it is... Is it possible that, like the banners that I've removed from the stage today, that are usually there, God has placed a purpose and a vision before you. He's placed a dream in your heart. He's set it up right in front of your face. And yet when it comes time to put it in the right order, to know what it is, we can't see it. Revelations uh, 3.8, oh, you know it's serious when I go into Revelations. I know your deeds. This is Jesus speaking. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, that you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Matthew Henry, who's a Bible commentator, explains that verse like this. The same Lord Jesus has the key of government and authority in and over the church. He opens a door of opportunity to his churches. He opens a door of utterance to his ministers. He opens a door of entrance. He opens the heart. Friends, God has a vision and a purpose for us. He has a vision and a purpose for you. And he places an open door before you that no one can shut. Do you know what that means? That means that no one can shut the door to the vision that God has given you for your life. If you reach, if you received a prophecy 30 years ago and it hasn't come to pass, hold on to it. Some of the amazing prophecies that were spoken over Pastor Tuck decades ago are only now coming to pass in his life. And he's stepping into the greatest, most fruitful season of his life. It's not too late for you. You're not too old. You're not too far gone. Even if you've walked away from God and you find yourself back in church now, the vision that God sets before you is still the same. The door that he opened all those years ago is still open. We have a great God who has great plans for each of us. And we need to hold close, hold close to the vision that he has for us. Because when the days are long and the times are hard, those promises, those prophecies, those words of encouragement, those things that we've always known are God's plan for us to do. Those are the things that we need to hold on to, to draw strength from. Those are the things that help, help us lift up our heads and keep going. Our vision is so important. Secondly, having a right view. And I mentioned that we also need to have a, have a right view earlier that what we see right, right here, right now, needs to be addressed and dealt with correctly. Our emotional journey is incredibly important. And I think it's something that the modern church, in a way, has glossed over a little bit. Um, 
too much in the past. And 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by faith, not by sight. Verses like this are completely correct. We must live by faith. We must remember the great vision God has given us. And as I summarized earlier, living by faith is what helps us to keep pressing forward. But what happens is that if we only live looking forward to the future, we miss what's going on in us and around us right here, right now. And we can give others and even ourselves some pretty terrible advice. And I want to spend a, a little bit of time on this this morning because this is something I'm journeying through myself at the moment, trying to figure out uh, what it means and how to outwork it. <clears throat> I've spoken with a few people recently who have, who have lost something or they've just really hit a wall in life. And I'm always amazed when they say things like, I was speaking to such and such and they told me to remember that even though I've, lost, I've just lost a family member, there's still hope and I should rejoice that they're in heaven. What a completely uncompassionate thing to say to someone who's just lost a family member. Look, I'm not pointing fingers because I've done that before myself, but it's just an example. It's an example of a person who's been incredibly hurt and meeting a person who has an incredible vision but no real view on life. They have a incredible vision that you know, God is always working and yeah, your family's in heaven, but they've missed the view. What's happening in that person's life right here, right now? I think it's easy uh, for Christians to think that being made in the image of God is, a, is, is just a spiritual thing, and it is, but it's also an emotional thing. Jesus modeled for us that it's normal to feel a full range of emotion. It's not, it's not only a human thing, but it's a godly thing to do. Here's a few examples of uh, the way Jesus felt emotions. He felt joy. John 15:11. I have told you that this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He feels anger in Matthew 23:33. You snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned from hell? I don't know about you, but when I read that, I don't think that he was saying that in a happy way. He wasn't like, you snakes, you brood of little vipers, how will you escape being condemned? Come on, Jesus was yelling at these people. He felt a righteous anger. He felt sorrow. You know, if you ever have trouble uh, with memory verses, this is my favorite one, John 11:35. Jesus wept. That's the whole verse. But he felt sorrow. If Jesus felt these things, and we are called to be Christ-like, then we know that it's okay to feel these things too. We must learn to embrace a right view. Right where we are, right now. It's okay to be vulnerable in front of each other. It's okay to love each other as family love each other. Don't keep people at arm's length. Don't hide how you feel and how you struggle from everyone and put on your Christian face because we're called to suffer as Christ suffered. It's an honorable thing to suffer as Christ suffered, but you have to remember that Christ suffered for the sake of people. Christ did not suffer for the sake of suffering. If you suffer, if you're suffering because you're hurting, you're tired, you're lonely, you're depressed, maybe even constant physical or emotional abuse, then you may not be suffering as Christ suffered. You're suffering exactly how God doesn't want you to suffer. It has never been and never will be God's plan for us to go through life suffering alone. From the very beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, it has always been that we are to live our lives in intimate relationship with God and loving, caring, thoughtful relationship with each other. The vision is our goal. The view is how we get there and who we get there with. And I've started this journey of understanding that God has called us to see great things in this city, but he's also called us to have great love and great care for one another in this room. 
I read a story a few weeks ago that honestly, after I read it, I was sitting in the kitchen, I was preparing for a Sunday, and I just wept. It was a story of a man, and some of you will have heard of him. He's going to have a photo of his, him and his family. You're going to come up on the screen. Andrew uh, Stocklin, I think, is, is how you pronounce his last name. But Andrew was the pastor of a church in California. He's pictured here with his wife and his three beautiful boys. And a few weeks ago on a Friday night, Andrew attempted suicide after struggling for a long time with anxiety and depression. And the next day on the Saturday, he actually passed away. And this story just shook me, even as I prepared, even as I was writing this, it shook me. As I was um, looking, for, you know, looking through photos, reading news articles, reading the posts that his wife made after his death, I just sat in our kitchen last, uh, on Friday, I was getting this ready and I was just crying. This man was younger than me. He had a successful church that was flourishing with thousands of people in attendance. He had a great family. He had a loving wife. He had three beautiful sons. And by the standard of the world, he def- and definitely by Christian standards, Andrew was a success. And while I'm sure his family were supportive and loving, I wonder how many of his church family ever stopped to ask Andrew, how are you doing? And I don't just mean, how are you doing as a passing comment, how are you really doing? Andrew was surrounded by people who knew, his, knew the vision, who knew all the right Christian answers to how he would have been feeling. But I imagine he had very few people around him who had him in their view, who knew his struggles, who he could be honest and open with. See, Andrew, by a Christian standard, was very successful and did amazing works for his community. But when you're considered a success in the eyes of the people you surround yourself with, it's very hard to allow yourself to open up and be real with those same people. Maybe it's time we all start being a little more real with each other. And, you know, I, was, um, I caught up with Brian and Mo on Friday and we were doing this job and we were joking that I was going to turn it into like a, a message reference. And I actually might because it, it was kind of a hard case. I was real grumpy, but um, it was actually like looking back, it was real funny. But right at the start, um, when I first got there, I went, I was, Brian was fixing this fence and I just told him, he said, oh, are you all good? And I said, yeah, I just come from the doctor and I had to get a blood test and stuff like that. And he said, oh, okay, you all good? Then I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm slowly, like you're not dying or anything. I said, well, you know, we're all slowly dying, I suppose, but you know, it might be another 80 years before I'm actually dead. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, we had a chuckle. And then he sort of did something and he said, you actually okay though? Like, everything all good? And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm actually all good. But see, he didn't just leave it at, oh, yeah, I'm good. Like, are you actually okay? Is everything actually okay? And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Now, I'm not saying any of this because I want everyone to start coming up to me and asking how I really am doing. Because I will tell you I'm good, and I am good. I'm not struggling with depression, nor is Alicia, nor is Noah. She's just sleeping, so she's good. But it's not, it's not, (laughs) I don't need people to do that. But what I'm saying is that it's, okay to feel how you feel and to struggle from time to time but it's not okay to stay that way find people who you trust who you feel you can open up to and slowly start sharing see this is why and i love what tim shared this morning on life groups this is why life groups are so important because you build friendships with people who grow to love you and as they grow to love you as a person that you are you get connected with people and you don't have to Go to life group and share all your problems every week because let's be honest, no one likes that person that's like, oh yeah, I'm struggling with this. But you can find new friends within that space. And maybe outside of the group setting, you can say, hey, can we grab a coffee this week? I'm just really struggling.
struggling with something and I'd really love to talk to someone. That's the power of life churches. You do life with each other, more so than in a church. Galatians 6 to carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We must be looking out for each other. I've been to quite a few concerts in my life, believe it or not. I actually used to be a pretty hardcore rocker. Yeah, back in my day. Yeah, me, yeah. But one concert I went to uh, has always stuck out in my mind, and it was um, one of the years I went to Parachute Music Festival. Um, that's a Christian music festival over in Mystery, Mystery Creek. Um, doesn't happen anymore. But there was a, a rock band playing called Pillar, and uh, I didn't even know who they were. I don't think I was even Christian at that point, but I was just there for the music. And um, it can, if you've ever been in kind of a... If you've ever been to a rock concert and you kind of get into the mosh pit, it can be really, really dangerous. Like if you go down, why are you nodding at me, Stan? You're the, you'd be the biggest one there. You'd be, you'd be the guy pushing everyone over. Yeah. But it can be really dangerous. Um, and if you fall, you're going to get hurt, basically, because people don't stop jumping around and being silly. They will stomp on you, and that just happens. I've seen literal broken bones in these things before. Um, and something these guys said, something this band Pillar said, before they even struck a single note, these guys came out and the lead singer said, we know it's about to get crazy out here tonight. And everyone was like, yeah. And he was like, and then he said, but we don't want anyone getting hurt. We're all here to have fun. So if you're out there and someone goes down beside you, you need to pick them up. He said, remember, if someone goes down beside you, you pick them up. And then he said, if someone goes down beside you, what are you going to do? And there was like 3,000 people went, Pick them up, and it was pretty cool. And then they just got straight into it, and um, you know it was great. And no one got hurt. It was an amazing time. But as I wrote this, I thought, you know, that's a pretty good philosophy for life. If someone goes down beside us, we need to pick them up. When someone is burdened in our church, we need to help them carry them. I would love for us to be known. Uh, I would love for our church to be known not just as the friendliest church in town, which that's the title I've given us. Uh, we're the friendliest church in town. Don't ask anyone else, but we are the friendliest church in town. Uh, I'd like to also be known for more than just being the church that gives the best hugs. Thanks, Barry. That's all you mean. He's not even listening. He's shut off. Just keep doing your thing, Barry. We love you. But we'd also like to be known as the church that loves and cares for each other, really, truly, and deeply. That we would have a right view that it's okay to have those feelings we feel sometimes, but that it's not okay to just stay that way forever and that we would be able to talk to each other about our problems and our issues without judgment, without fear, but knowing that we'll always find a loving ear to listen, no matter what we've done or how we're feeling. Now, just a disclaimer in all of this, because if you are struggling with depression and you don't know what to do, I would encourage you to seek professional help. Depression is this crazy thing that, the, you know, that pastor that I spoke about earlier, most of his congregation probably didn't know that he was struggling with depression and anxiety. It is very easy to hide depression. So if I'm speaking to you and that is you, I encourage you to seek professional help. If you don't know how, come and see me after the service and I will guide you in that. Um, but there are just certain things that it's better to go, some, sometimes you need medication, sometimes you need actual counselling and it's better to just go professionally than try and struggle through it or try and get advice from people who aren't trained in that sort of thing. Okay? That's just a little disclaimer. But it's time that we have a right vision to carry us to the things that God has for us, his plans, his purposes, his life-fulfilling promises, and that we would have a right view. 
that this is a safe place, that you are not alone, and you are not the only way, one who feels the way that you feel. You don't have to suffer in silence. Alicia and I, we love you guys. We really do. Uh, and, you know, I am not by any, any stage of the word or, you know, I'm not a huggy person. I'll put it that way. But if you ever need a hug, go see Barry first. And then if that hasn't satisfied you, I will give you a hug. Give him two hugs if you need to. Look, we're always here if you, if you really need a hug. Uh, if you need someone to talk to, come and talk to us. Uh, I will never, ever judge you, uh, and I will try the best I can to support you and help you on the journey with that. Just know that if you come to me for advice, that you know Jesus wasn't always, Jesus wasn't always just full of love and grace. He was full of uh, you know, chastising and directing people with a firm hand as well. So... But, you know, come, talk to us if you need to. May God bless you and keep each of you. May he fill you with his incredible, unbelievable love. And may you have the right vision and the right view as you journey through life with Christ. Let's, let's pray this morning. Father, we just thank you, God, that you want us to have not only a great vision or a right vision for our lives, God, but you want us to have a right view on things. Lord, that it is okay to not be okay sometimes, but it is not okay to stay that way. And that we need to be a people, a family, Lord, that look after each other, that pick each other up, that love each other, God, and that correct each other um, in a a biblical way, Father. So we just thank you, Lord, uh, for this word, Lord. We thank you for the the things that you're doing in and through our church, God. And I just pray you continue to, to use us, God, continue to grow us, Father. Continue to shape us and change us the way that you want us to be. We love you, God. Thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.